When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist for the Lexington Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. On today's podcast, we're going to review Kentucky's 28-23 win over Chattanooga on Saturday. Turned out to be a tough one for the Cats. They actually trailed 16-14 in the fourth quarter to the FCS team from the Southern Conference. Kentucky did rally. Will Levis drove him down the field, hit Isaiah Cummings for a touchdown to put Kentucky up 21-16. Then Chattanooga was driving right back down the field until Tyrell Asian made an interception, and the senior safety went 95 yards for a touchdown to make it 28-16. Kentucky ends up winning 28-23, although they were not real happy about it, not happy with the way they played. Still, Mark Stoops' team improves to 3-0 on the season, heading into next week's game at South Carolina. And to talk about the Chattanooga game and to look ahead to the South Carolina game, I talk with my colleague and fellow sports columnist at the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com, Mark Story. So let's get right to it, my conversation with Mark Story of the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. Okay, my guest on the podcast, Mark Story, my fellow colleagues, fellow sports columnist at the Herald Leader at Kentucky.com. How are you doing, Mark? I'm doing great, John. Uh, Kentucky defeats uh, Chattanooga 28-23, much closer than we expected. Um, uh, today, we're taping this on, we got conflict, or I have a conflict tomorrow, so we're taping it on Saturday night. Um Obviously, Mark Stoops did not seem to be very happy after the game, as you might expect when you only win by five points over FCS team. Uh, what what was your big takeaway from the game, Mark? Well, I thought it, you know I thought I was disappointed that Kentucky played that flat. You know, it's only the third game of the season, and I guess I thought they were at a point in program development that they wouldn't play down to the opponent. Now, I, you know, I think the coaches made a mistake. You know, they, you know, Liam Cohen said after the game they they were trying to sort of protect Christopher Rodriguez that you know he carried the ball 27 times in a really physical game against Missouri the week before, and they came into this game you know trying to protect him, which you know there's certainly a rationale for that given how important he is to the Kentucky team, but I can't help but wonder if that didn't sort of send a message to the. The, the rest of the Kentucky team that they didn't necessarily have to you know be on their be on the absolute edge of competitiveness to win this game and they certainly played like a team that uh, didn't feel like or, or they they were nowhere close to their best let's put no, it that way no but should we have expected a letdown after a big win over Missouri an emotional win people like uh, you know crazy people like yourself and myself were calling it if uh, if not the most important game of the season one of the most important games of the season then you're coming off that win and you're playing an FCS team wasn't it wasn't I'm playing devil's advocate here wasn't a wasn't a letdown inevitable well I think a, I think there are degrees of letdowns and coming out and maybe playing a flat quarter or something is one thing but they've were pretty flat. You know, I know they scored on their first possession, but they were pretty flat the whole game. And I guess I just thought they were at a stage in program development where they would have been talented enough yeah. that they would have 
you know, been able to sort of overwhelm Chattanooga at some point and that they wouldn't just, you know, come out and play completely flat in the third game of the season. It's not yeah. like, you know, this was, you know, week nine after they'd played five straight weeks of SEC games. Yeah. And they were down 16 to 14 in, in the fourth quarter, in the fourth quarter. So, yeah, uh, no, that that's true. Uh, to me, the way the, the way that Chattanooga was able to run the ball on them, and Chattanooga had not exactly been an offensive juggernaut in their first two games. They lost Austin P thirty to twenty. They beat North Alabama twenty to nothing in their second game. Now I know what Brad White said on thir- on uh, Wednesday when he talked to UK's defensive coordinator when he talked to us that he was really impressed with their uh, Chattanooga's running backs, and I could see why their running backs ran hard. But I mean, they popped a forty eight yard run on their first possession. They had a thirty three yard run later on. Uh, to me, that's to me that was kind of the most worrisome thing. Out of this is just the way Chattanooga ran the ball on them. Yeah, you know, yeah, Chattanooga and that twenty points they scored against North Alabama. You know, six of that was on a pick six. Right, but. You know, I think Chattanooga is a good team. Yeah. I think they're they are an incredibly experienced team. I don't I've never seen a team with not one, not two, but three seventh year players, mm-hmm. which which they have. And you know, they brought all their starters back. And I thought they had a really smart game plan and I thought a veteran team executed it. But yeah, they're very limited offensively and they weren't, you know. Well, I will give them credit. I think they caught UK off guard with some formations and stuff on that first touchdown drive. Mm-hmm. But you know, they're not an explosive offensive team, even at their own level. And, you know, they, you know, I thought through formations and just, you know, clever play calling pretty much kept UK off balance, you know, for a good bit of that game. And I did think the Kentucky defense played better, you know, after that first drive, Mm -hmm. but, you know, it was, you know, it was just an unsatisfactory performance. Yeah. No. Yeah. I I talked to Mark Weedmer, uh, our friend who the sports columns for the Chattanooga Times free press for the preview podcast. He said they had 72 out of 76 lettermen back from last year. He said that they had somewhere between, I, I think he said something like 15 or 17 super seniors. So they were definitely a very experienced team. And, and Liam Cohen made that point on Tuesday that their defense had played together for a long time. He said they were number six in the FCS in total defense last year. So, yeah, maybe they were better than what we uh, – uh, gave him credit for uh, defensively. But what did you think about Will Levis, Kentucky's quarterback? How did you think he played overall? He had two touchdowns, but he also threw two interceptions. Well, you know, Lorenzo Ward, who the former South Carolina defensive coordinator who was Bobby Petrino's last defensive coordinator at Louisville and wound up as the interim head coach in 2018 after Petrino got the axe. So he was on the sideline when Kentucky hung 56 on Louisville in the final game of the 2018 season. I thought he sort of got his revenge today. I thought they had a really <laughs> smart plan. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the way teams are going to start playing Kentucky, I think they're going to continue to stack the box, but I think they're going to have their safeties way deep, sort of a lot of two deep safety looks. Mm-hmm. And I think what you're trying to do is not, you know, stack up the run and not give up those long shot plays right. and make Levis throw intermediate passes into tight windows and take the chance that if you can make him complete a bunch of those, you know, he'll, you know, he he won't be accurate enough to complete a whole bunch right you know i thought you know i give him credit for playing through adversity and he led you know a drive that put him ahead in the fourth quarter but you know i thought some of the things you know we'd heard you know we've talked previously on the podcast that he had played i know he had played better than i expected but i thought some of the things we saw today were sort of the things we'd heard about him from the penn state people 
Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's a good point. I mean, I think so far the book on him after three games is, as you said, don't let him throw it deep. Don't let him get behind you because he does throw a good deep, he you know, throws a pretty and an accurate deep ball. Uh, make him throw those shorter intermediate throws. Um, and of course, you know, and if you have the running, but if you have, if you're able to have the running game work well, you can, you know, you you can make them play the safeties in. But they never really did. I think that was another thing too. Another disappointment. I don't think the offensive line had one of their better days, especially run blocking. They never could really get anything going. Uh, couldn't break any long runs. Couldn't get anything really going in the run game. Maybe to 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 um, uh, kind of give them the chance to hit more of those deep shots. Well, that, I, to, to me, that somewhat goes back to the way they decided to use Rodriguez. Uh-huh. But, you know, the, the offensive line play, remember that game against Eastern Michigan in 2017? Yes. When they, they got pushed around and gave up a ton of sacks. And remember how upset John Schlarman was yeah. after that game? Oh, yeah. That sort of reminded me, today sort of reminded me of that. Yeah, yeah. When that was that the was that a twenty four twenty game or something like that? Yeah, it was a game. It was sort of the same deal. It was yeah. a one possession game against a team that going in. We thought they were a lot better than. Yeah, right, right. Uh, uh, what about? Uh, I mean, the other thing too. The the other thing I was a little surprised about, and of course maybe this was dictated by this the way the game, you know, was closer than expected. I thought you know they would come out and try to work on the passing game which I think they kind of did at first, but I thought they would try to incorporate, okay, the first two games we've seen a lot, an awful lot of Wandale Robinson. We've seen some Josh Ali, but we hadn't seen much of the other receivers, uh, but we still didn't. Well, we saw Isaiah Epps caught his first career touchdown, and Isaiah Cummings caught his first career touchdown, uh, but we didn't get to see much of those young guys, and I guess that was dictated, I guess, maybe by the fact that the game was a lot closer than they expected it to be. Yeah, Liam said that Liam Cohen said after the game that that was one of their goals was to try to you know work it around to more receivers, and he felt like they did. You know, pointing out that you know Rig caught three balls and Epps yeah. two and Bates caught two, but yeah, the the young wide receivers that you know they had hoped would step up and you know give them you know some some alternate uh, targets have yet to do so. Now I've, the guy who got the most. Or, well, uh, along with Ch- Chauncey Magwood, the guy who had the most preseason buzz was Dekel Crowdis, and obviously he got hurt, right. hasn't gotten a chance yet. Now, I will say this. I'm guessing that today was the first time in University of Kentucky football history that two guys named Isaiah caught touchdown passes. <laughs> Although spelled differently. Although spelled differently, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. And of course, Cummings, they moved from wide receiver to tight end, you know, really bragged on him all uh, during training camp about how well he was playing, how he brought an extra dimension. They'd thrown the ball to him some in the first couple of games, but hadn't really connected with him. But uh, he caught that touchdown today. So maybe that's going to be a big boost for him. Uh, you know, moving forward. You mentioned the turnovers uh, earlier. A couple more turnovers today. I think they are, are they minus five, I guess, uh, after the first, they were, they've, let's see, they've had uh, Levis's. They, they threw a, two interceptions and lost a fumble. Now, the lost th- fumble was on fourth down. That's right. That's they right. They still lost it. So they had three turnovers. Yeah, and they, they got one, the 95-yard, the they forced one, the 95-yard interception return by for a touchdown by Terrell Agent, which really sealed the win because uh, – you know, you got to give Chattanooga a lot of credit when they fell back behind here. They came back again, marching down the field uh, before they threw that interception. 
So is turnovers a problem with this team, or is it something that's going to even out over as we get farther into the season? You know, obviously Mark Stoops, you know, said he hoped it's going to even out. You know, I think turnout turnovers tend to even out over multiple years. You know, last year Kentucky was forcing tons of turnovers, right. intercepting a lot of passes. So probably we should have expected the opposite this year. You know, I don't know whether it's going to even out in just the context of this one season. Right. I think to some extent with Levis, you just I think there's just going to be some interceptions. Mm-hmm. I think you have to hope you know he makes enough you know big positive plays to overcome that. You know, the fumbling, you know, again, this was a quarterback fumble on fourth down, so right. probably don't want to overreact to that. But, yeah, I think that we're three games into the season, and as Mark Stoops points out, they are 3-0, and but there have been some of the same problems persisting in all three games. Right. And the turnovers, I think the special teams have not been very good. And those are the things, you know, when you get into these close, you know, SEC games, which tend to go down to the fourth quarter, you know, th- those things are going to bite them if they don't, you know, get them tightened up. Right. Right. Yeah. Special teams. Uh, I've been, you know, Wondell Robinson, he's obviously been a, a huge factor in the first two games. You know, he was today, caught a long pass again today. Uh, but uh, on punt returns, he seems awful shaky back there. He's, uh, he muffed his first return in the first game, which you could, you could chalk that up to being over eager. He wanted to make a, you know, a big return on his first time back, uh, after transferring back home from Nebraska. Uh, but it seems too many times where he's let the ball bounce and ends up you know, rolling 15, 20 yards down. Uh, even when he comes up to catch the ball, it doesn't seem like he's always, secu- you know, sure of himself when he's making, you know, making the catch. Um, what do you, I mean, they used Josh Holly back there last year. Last year, uh, I think they probably think that, and Ollie was, you know, he did a decent job back there last year. Uh, I'm sure they think that Robinson has a better opportunity to break a, break a big return. But uh, what about that aspect of the game? Yeah, they're giving up a ton of "quote unquote" hidden yardage by let on those short punts rolling, and that that really backed them up a couple of times today. Yes. And you know, I'm not a special teams expert. I don't understand why teams don't use an up back. I, no, I don't know if they makes, used to, but that, they don't anymore, do they? I know. I don't know if that makes them vulnerable. You know, they fake to fakes or, mm-hmm. but yeah, to me, I would put an up back specifically up there to fair catch short punts. Yeah, but no, you don't see teams use that anymore. You used to see that, but you don't see that anymore. Uh, but anyway, uh, it'll be interesting to see how how that develops. Um, before we get on to looking ahead, anything else about the game today we should mention? Well, I thought the one special teams thing you know, they went back. They went to Colin Goodfellow as the punter, senior walk on from Cleveland, and you know he punted two games last year when Max Duffy was in COVID protocols and averaged forty-seven, almost forty-eight yards a kick. Well, he punted four times today and averaged over fifty yards a kick. You know, I know coaches are inclined, you know, want to use their scholarship player, but you know, I think at this point you've got to stay with with Goodfellow. Yeah, Barry's been hurt. Wilson Barry, the freshman who came in, another Australian punter, he hurt his back or either he either hurt his back during training camp or he came in with a back problem during training camp. They haven't really been specific about what the deal is with him. Uh but yeah, he's uh so I don't know how much uh, you know, I don't know how much that's still hindering his performance. So they're going with Goodfellow, or he's just out kicking him in practice. That's something we'll have to ask Mark Stoops uh, on Monday or ask him next week. But yeah, he looked pretty good kicking the ball. And they did have a kickoff go out of bounds, which is which is 
you know, very unusual for them. Uh, I mean, Chance Poor usually puts it on the end zone on a regular basis. I don't know if that was an instance where they were trying. You know, that's another game. You know, talked about the load management thing with Chris Rodriguez. I mean, was this a game where they tried some different things that they think they might have to use or want to use when they hit the stretch of uh, seven straight SEC games? Uh, but usually, usually he's very reliable about getting that ball in the end zone for a touchback. Yeah, he's been since they've used him as the kickoff specialist. He has been good, yeah, but yeah, that was I, that was not a good play today. And Mark Stoops let him know about it too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, as he as he uh, as he will do from time to time. Okay, let's go on to uh, we got Kentucky goes on the road for the first time next Saturday. They, they're at South Carolina. It's a seven o'clock game. I believe it's on ESPN two. Uh, as we record this, South Carolina is getting thumped by Georgia, which is at Georgia, which is no surprise. Uh, but but what about this game going to South Carolina? And what about this game? I mean, uh, last year you either had no fans at the road games, or you had very limited fans uh, road games. Now you're going to go to South Carolina. We've both been there for night games. It gets pretty rowdy there, and uh, you know they've got a new coach and Shane Beamer. This is you know he's got a rebuilding project, but I'm sure there'll be a you know a nice crowd there, a nice loud crowd in Columbia. How much of a factor is that this year for these teams who didn't experience that last year? Well, I think it's this is a case where it's really a benefit how veteran Kentucky is because, you know, they've got a lot of seniors and a lot of fair number of super seniors and guys who have played in normal SEC road games. You know, the, one of the weird things about this South Carolina game is it feels like they just played because they played the last last That's year true. ran so deep <laughs> and it was the last game of the regular season. It's weird that I mean it, it literally to me feels like they just they just played this team. Right. You know, I you know Luke Doty, the who was pre- expected to be their starting quarterback and who started last year against Kentucky and Lexington, and missed the first two games uh, against uh, or their first two games this year is back tonight. So it looks like Kentucky will get their uh, get their best quarterback and not the the graduate assistant that had been forced into duty. Yeah, he, well, he start. No one started tonight. Zeb Nolan, but he got hurt. Uh, I think in their second series, and then Doty came in after that, or maybe the first series, and then Doty came in after that. So uh, yeah, Doty is six for thirteen for sixty-two yards, and he just threw an interception. So. Did he really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hey, uh, South Carolina came into the game one and one. They beat Eastern Illinois. They blanked Eastern Illinois in their opener, but then they had to come from behind to beat East Carolina. Uh, you know, last uh, last week, twenty to seventeen, and no surprise that Georgia's having the better of them uh, tonight. But this starts the South Carolina game starts a stretch of they play seven straight uh, SEC games. They do have an off week between the uh, Georgia the trip to Georgia on October sixteenth and the bye week on October twenty third. Uh, then they go to Mississippi State on October thirtieth. You know, most of the SEC games are over to, from today. Alabama only beat Florida by two. Uh, what about this? What do we do? We feel any differently about the SEC and how Kentucky kind of kind of matches up with these teams going forward after today, or is it just about what we thought it would be after the first two weeks of the season? Well, I think if you're just looking at today's results, you I think you have to have a little less hope against Florida. But I yeah. guess I think it's a, Maybe you don't want to overreact to just one week. And and while Alabama is obviously Alabama and more deserving of benefit of doubt than anybody playing football at any level, you know, a lot of their 
you know, people's belief about them it was based on how they beat Miami. Hmm. You look at how Michigan State beat Miami True. today, you know, that may have just been more Miami's not that good. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the South Carolina game is big for Kentucky, obviously for this season, because it's a team you're, you know, will pick to finish ahead of in the East and therefore you need to beat, but also because they have a first year head coach and you want to, you know, stay on top of these teams that are transitioning right. and, you know, I'm, Kentucky is sort of fighting a two-front war. You're hoping to gain and you know, become more of a threat to Georgia and Florida, but you're also trying to hold off the other teams in the East that you've had the upper hand on recently. And, and what's beat, Kentucky has beaten South Carolina six out of seven and mm-hmm. two out of the last three in Columbia. So with a veteran team going down there to play a team with a first-year head coach, you, you know, from the Kentucky perspective, you want to see them go down there and take care of business. Yeah. What about the thinking? And, and I sort of, I've sub, sort of subscribed to this: is that what happened today? Kentucky was actually a good thing. If they had blown out, blown out the, the Chattanooga today, they'd be three and zero going down to South Carolina. Maybe getting a little too full of themselves. Maybe thinking that they're a little bit better than what they really are. Uh, now, you know, Stoops. Liam Cohen, Brad White, they can use that film to show them, hey, you got to come out and play. You can't just, uh, to use a Calipari term, we can't just roll the ball out there. You've got to be on your game and you've got to be able to play. And here we're going on the road for our first game. It's not our first road game. It's not just our first road game. It's an, it's an SEC game uh, that this, this kind of game – Liam Cohn, I mean, uh, Will Levis today referred to it as a wake-up call for the team. Do you subscribe to that? I think it can be. I think you worry a little bit that, you know, that you lose confidence when you struggle to the extent they did against, a, you know, even a, a decent FCS team. And I guess I worry a little bit about that. But with such a veteran team, I think uh, I think there is a chance that it just becomes – as, as Will Levis put it, a wake-up call, and they really, you know, turn it up next week. And again, I think it's, as I said earlier, I do think it's starting to be a little bit of a problem that they keep having some of the same issues every week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, before I let you go, I wanted to ask you about one other thing, which is an off-the-field thing. We uh, They announced today, officially, that A.D. Grant is back, UK's uh, former offensive coordinator who – uh, was let go at the end of last season. They're bringing him back in an administrative role. Uh, I can't. We, we were talking about this in the press box. Usually, when stuff like this happens, you know, uh, if you know, if they decide that they want to go in a different direction for an offensive coordinator, but they keep him around or defensive coordinator, they say he's been reassigned to another position. This time, they. Uh, you know, announced <laughs> that Eddie, they're parting ways with Eddie. And then what is it, nine months later? Oh, yeah, by the way, we're bringing Eddie back and he's going to be in an administrative role. Uh, but uh, uh, what do you feel about that? And I mean, personally, I'm glad to see Eddie come back. I mean, I, I really like Eddie Grant. I think he's a good guy. I think he obviously cares about the kids. And uh, I think it's good to have him back. Yeah, I think, you know, I think. I, I actually asked Liam Cohen about that and Liam gave a very politic answer and glad to have a a good guy and a good coach back with the program. I think 
Mark Stoops really relied a lot on Dan Berezowitz, who had been mm-hmm. his chief of staff. And Dan was basically helping Mark run the program and handling a lot of the off-the-field stuff that goes into running a, a Southeastern Conference football program. And Dan ran into some off-the-field issues, and I think the university took an appropriate action where that was concerned. But I think it left a void, and I think, you know, bringing Eddie Grant, who I think is, you know, has, you know, deep football knowledge and across many different facets and right. is also, you know, a mature, you know, adult who will be a positive influence on people that he deals with and won't embarrass the university. And so, yeah, you know, I think it, I think it is a good move. But, so if you're Liam Cohen, you wouldn't be worried about somebody looking over your shoulder? Well, I think, I think that's something you wonder about, but I just think, you know, I think, I think Liam has done a good enough job in his three games. You know, today wasn't the number one, but you know, they did win the game, but no, I mean, I think you, I think, I think it's incumbent on Mark Stoops to draw sort of clear boundaries and, you know, you know, and and assure Liam and everybody in the program that Eddie's not there to, you know, to be a quality control assistant for the offense, he's serving an administrative role and basically replacing uh, the previous chief of staff. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, I, I'm not sure not everybody could make it work, but I, I think of what we know of Eddie, I think he can make it work. I don't think he's going to be, you know, trying to take over the game plan or stick, you know, get somebody stoops his ear saying you need to be doing this, you need to be doing that. And I think he's also, I mean, it, like as you mentioned, he's got a lot of experience of different facets. Uh, he knows the SEC very well. He's been in and out of the SEC for a long time. I mean, I think I think it's. Uh, I mean, I'm glad to see him back in the program, uh, and I I think it'll I think it'll all work out. So, okay, so we got uh, uh, South Carolina coming up on Sat next Saturday. We got Mark Stoops press conference on Monday. We'll have plenty of coverage during the week. Uh, anything else before I let you go, Mark? Two things, John Clay. Oh, two off, things. We, oh. Were, we were about to leave the press box and. Word came via the Twitter machine that Tyrese Fairby, who is an edge rusher, an outside linebacker, sort of rush in from Pennsylvania, who had formerly been committed to Penn State, had committed to play football at Kentucky. If that commitment holds, that is a, a player that has a very good reputation in a position of need. So that could potentially be a big deal if the commitment holds. The second thing, John Clay, why is Penn State not wearing all white <laughs> since they're having a white? Can you explain that? No, I cannot. Ex- I am not an expert on Penn State football. I cannot. Uh, no, Auburn's the one wearing the one. They got the all white uniform in the. Uh, uh, I, yeah, I don't know the, I don't know the, uh, I don't know the answer to that. Uh, may I forget somebody with who's more, uh, who has more knowledge of Penn State and their tradition than I have of why they're doing that. But it is, it, that does seem odd that they're not wearing white as well when your team, <laughs> we're having a white out in the stands, but the team is wearing their traditional blue home uniforms. Yes. <laughs> Doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, I would have thought by definition a whiteout meant you were white. But. Yeah, I guess not. I guess not. I don't know. What about uh, is James Frank James Franklin going to Southern Cal? If you okay, well, let me ask you this: If you're James Franklin, would you go to Southern Cal? If Southern Cal offered you the job, I think I would. And would I you? think the reason I think Penn State at running at its ultimate level, I don't know that it's better than Ohio State. Yeah, 
I think USC, if you get it to its ultimate level, is the number one program in the Pac-12. So I think if I were James Franklin and they offered me that job, I would take it. Yeah, I think I, I agree. I agree with that. I'm not sure. Uh, to me, the biggest selling point is what you just mentioned. If you're Penn State, you, you're going to be knocking heads with Ohio State every year. If you go to USC and get it going, you're going to be the prime team and that it's you know everybody else is going to be worried about knocking heads with you if you can get it going but uh that who knows if they would offer i mean if you're mike bonnet's southern cal is franklin at the top of your list i think he would be pretty close now i will admit i'm to me the most impressive thing james franklin's ever done was what he did at vanderbilt yeah Um, Here's what, the second part of that. If James Franklin got the USC job and took it, would Mark Stoops be a candidate at Penn State? Well, <laughs> uh, I would think he might. He might be a he'd be a candidate. I don't know that he would get the job, but I think you know, it depends on what happens this year. You know, yeah, I think for, I think for Stoops to get one of those elite football jobs, if he wants one, I think Kentucky would need to win 10 or 11 games. And obviously that doesn't look as likely if it ever did, but I don't, you know, I don't think it's impossible. They could have a, I don't, I'm not good. I'm not going to go completely off the handle off one flat game. Yeah. No, I think they'll bounce back this coming week. I think they'll, uh, I think they got a little too full of themselves this week and, uh, this may bring them back to earth, but we we will find out next Saturday. So, Mark, be sure and follow Mark on Twitter at Mark C Story. Um, read him in the pages in the print edition of the Air Leader and online at Kentucky.com. And Mark, as always, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks, John. Okay, that'll do it for this edition of the John Clay Podcast. My thanks, as always, to Mark Story. Follow him on Twitter at Mark C. Story. My thanks to everyone listening to the podcast, which you can find on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Tuned In, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio Podcasts. My thanks to everybody who supports our work at the Arrow Leader. Get a sports pass, sports-only digital subscription to Kentucky.com. $30 for the first year. You get all of our UK coverage, all of our high school coverage. $30 for the first year. Follow me on Twitter at John Clay IV on the pin tweet at the top click on that that'll give you all the information of what uh, take you right to where you need to go or go to kentucky.com hit on the subscription tab and check out all the offers to subscriptions to the print edition of their old leader and digitally to kentucky.com my thanks again to mark story we'll be talking to you during the week plenty of coverage leading up to the kentucky south carolina game on next next saturday we'll catch you again we'll catch you next time on the john clay podcast